Chapter Ten of Cycling in the Alps by C. L. Freeston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Furka. Of Swiss diligence roads, the Furka is the highest, though it falls far short of the Stelvio, which is half in Austria and half in Italy. The former is seven thousand nine hundred and ninety feet, and the latter nine thousand and fifty five feet in altitude. It is important that this distinction between diligence passes and mule tracks, or climbing paths, should be borne in mind, or the frequency with which one sees the word pass conjoined with startling figures may prove somewhat baffling to the cycling tourist. There are numerous passes in the Alps which are very considerably higher than anything on my list of ten. Several even exceed 13,000 or 14,000 feet, such as the Lysjok, the Ippolita, the Sessia Joch, the Felic Joch, and the Vera. But these are laborious routes, even to the expert mountaineer, and have not the remotest connection with cycling. On a somewhat lower scale, but still higher than the diligence roads, are certain passes at which it would be possible to push or carry a machine, but on which real cycling is impracticable. For instance, an enterprising American has taken a bicycle over the Theodul Pass, which is 10,900 feet high. But the way thither is not a road at all, but only a mule path up to the 8,855 feet level, and then is nothing but rocks and debris, and without begrudging him any satisfaction he may have derived from his excursion, I am content if I can persuade the British rider that the diligence roads are worthy his serious attention. When he has tackled the Stelvio and other lofty carriage routes, he may aim at higher game, but leave his bicycle at home, for all the American gained by his exploits was a bit of riding on a glacier at the summit of the pass. The Furka may be approached, of course, from more than one point, but for the sake of convenience I will describe the ascent as a continuation of the journey over the Oberalp, which is the way by which most cyclists would elect to travel. Starting from the Andermatt, therefore, the rider may skim along an excellent piece of road to Hospenthal, 4,800 feet, a mile and a half away, passing meanwhile the lofty glacier of St. Anna on the left. The road over the famous St. Gotthard Pass leads out of Hospenthal as well as the Furka Road, and for the latter a turn to the right must be made at the top of the village. Along the left bank of the river Riel Perus, the road runs for two and a quarter miles to the little village of Zumdorf, and then crosses successively the Rus and the Lochbach, the latter a stream descending from the Tiefen Glacier. The Urserental, through which the road has led us, is bounded by steep grassy slopes, down which numerous brooks find their way to the river. On the north, the Spitzberger mountain commands the valley. The road continues ridable to Rielp, 5,060 feet, a somewhat forlorn-looking hamlet about five and a half miles from Andermatt. Here the ascent of the Furka begins in earnest. It is one of 2,930 feet in about eight and a half miles. As one is usually most eager for the fray at the outset, it is a consolation to know that the first three and a half miles are the steepest portion of the route, the gradient averaging 438 feet to Fuchsenegg, 6,595 feet. The labour of the ascent is rewarded by the retrospective views of the broad Urseren Valley, 
with the windings of the descent from the Oberalp summit to Andermatt outlined in the background. If nature demands some sustenance at the termination of this initial climb, there is a small hotel, the Galenstock, at the end of the last zigzag. There is a better one, however, a mile and a half farther on, at Tiefenbach, 6,790 feet, and as the road has now become temporarily rideable, it is as well, perhaps, to push onwards. Another three and a half mile stage of walking is now in prospect, but with the somewhat reduced gradient of 344 feet per mile, which is sufficiently toilsome, though less arduous than the preliminary grind. The scenery is not continuously impressive on this side of the summit, but there is a fine view of the Seedeln Glasser to the right, with a striking waterfall below, and the pinnacles of the Bielenstock above. At length, the highest point, 7,990 feet, of this lofty pass is attained, and a series of buildings are encountered, such as one would hardly have expected to see at such an altitude. Instead of the rude and weather-beaten hospice that is a customary feature of many of the past summits, there are two comparatively fine hotels, one of which contains a post and telegraph office, and some fortifications with their attendant barracks. It is natural to infer that the soldiers on duty must experience a singularly cold time while on service here. If familiarity does not induce the proverbial contempt, however, they are at least favoured with the enjoyment of a remarkably fine panorama of jagged peaks and rugged hillsides flecked with snow. For about a mile the road is virtually level, and then winds down to the left in long zigzags, of which there are seven in as many miles to the foot. As the descent is begun, the full glories of the Furka burst into view, and the grandeur of the surroundings and the bold engineering of the road itself are strikingly displayed. One has barely time to admire, however, the distant peaks of the Bernese Oberland, before, with startling suddenness, the Rhone Glacier is seen immediately below, while at the second turning of the road one reaches the Hotel Belvedere, which stands at the very corner of this world-famed icefall. It is one of the most remarkable in Switzerland, and the road passes it at such close quarters that its weird and wonderful conformations can be seen to complete advantage. Among the carriage roads of the Alps, only the Stelvio in the Tyrol and the Col du Lautare in the Dauphiné afford the tourists so near a contemplation of a glacier. As the Furca road winds down the mountain at one side of the great mass of ice, then along another slope directly facing it, and afterwards leads up to the Grimsel Pass, from which a fresh series of views directly opposite to those from the upper slopes of the Furca may be obtained, it will be realised with what amazing variety the prospect must be invested before the glacier is lost to view. But if this gigantic mass of ice excites the admiration of the traveller who beholds it for the first time, he may still keep some in reserve for the road outlines of this extraordinary valley. In the picture on the adjoining page are seen a portion of the windings of the Grimsel Highway to the left and the lower convolutions of the Furka Road but it may be explained that, after the latter has surmounted the shoulder where the white line comes to an end, it crosses what looks like a valley, though practically on the same level, and winds up the opposing slope in zigzags, very similar to those of the Grimsel in the foreground, and at length works its way round to the top right-hand corner of the icefall. 
without exaggeration it would be impossible to indicate broadly the outline of this portion of the road which is not as clearly visible from the grimsel as the latter is from the furka but if the reader will notice the trend of the faint wavy line on the distant slope between the top of the glacier and the extreme right of the picture he may then appreciate the way in which the swiss engineer has set his mark upon this magnificent defile it has been necessary for the moment to reverse the route as it were in order that the nature of the descent from the belvedere hotel may be better understood the gradient averages three hundred and forty four feet per mile and where the road is not strewn with stones is rideable and even coastable if the word may legitimately be coined coasting here however as in several other places implies merely a cessation from pedalling and not necessarily a rapid progression though the feet are on the rests the brake or brakes must be gripped and the rider must be ready to resume pedalling and sometimes even to dismount when the patches of loose metal are encountered it is the custom to spread these stones on most of the routes traversed by diligences as soon as the melting of the snows has caused the sleighs to disappear in favour of the more cumbrous vehicles and though this usually takes place in june the inevitable absence of such emblems of civilization as steam rollers combined with the comparatively small amount of traffic results in these obnoxious obstacles to the cyclist remaining in evidence all the summer through always provided however that the attendant circumstances be borne in mind for it is hardly to be expected that gangs of road-menders should abound on altitudes such as these there is not much to complain of on either this or any other pass and if one's downward progress be neither wholly free from interruption nor invariably marked by a delirious rate of speed it does at least permit one to make use of gravity as a rule instead of muscular force and one must be thankful that the gradients are not terrific and that the corners are scientifically curved there may perhaps be a certain amount of risk in the riding of certain passes because of the occasional absence of railings at the edges of terrifying precipices but there is certainly no treachery such as may be encountered on many an english highway where gradients are haphazard and where corners and crossroads are simply countless as one winds down the slope which is seen to the right of the picture there is ample opportunity of appreciating the impressiveness of the view towards the grimsel the zigzags up the face of the mountain are collectively more visible than is usually the case and above the last winding there tower some of the best-known peaks of the bernese range including the finsteraarhorn and the schreckhorn in fact the former is the highest mountain in the bernese overland there is more snow in the environment than in any of the landscapes i have dealt with since leaving the stelvio and the bernina summits and for rugged grandeur the panorama has few equals on the passes the infant rhone meanders through the valley which also contains a large building the rhone glacier hotel as well as its dependance at which the economically disposed wheelman may prefer to sleep if tarrying for the night before attacking the grimsel pass in the season the hotel is likely to be both full and fashionable end of chapter ten